0: Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Zwanz, and today is Thursday of the 27th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.
1: And with your spirit.
0: who in the abundance of your kindness surpass the merits and the desires of those who entreat you. Pour out your mercy upon us, to pardon what conscience dreads, and to give what prayer does not dare to ask. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen.
2: A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Galatians. Are you people in Galatia mad? Has someone put a spell on you, in spite of the plain explanation you have had of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? Let me ask you one question. Was it because you practiced the law that you received the Spirit? Or because you believed what was preached to you? Are you foolish enough to end in outward observances what you began in the Spirit? Have all the favours you received been wasted? And if this was so, they would most certainly have been wasted. Does God give you the Spirit so freely and work miracles among you because you practice law or because you believed what was preached to you? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people. He has raised up for us a mighty Saviour in the house of David his servant, as he promised by the lips of holy men, those who were his prophets from of old. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, he has come to his people. A Saviour who would free us from our foes, from the hands of all who hate us. So his love for our fathers is fulfilled, and his holy covenant remembered. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, he has come to his people. He swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that free from fear, and saved from the hands of our foes, we might serve him in holiness and justice, all the days of our life in his presence. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, he has come to his people. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. Open our hearts, O Lord to listen to the words of your Son.
1: Hallelujah.
0: The Lord be with you.
1: And with your spirit.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke.
1: Glory to you, O Lord.
0: Jesus said to his disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend, and goes to him in the middle of the night to say, My friend, lend me three loaves, because a friend of mine on his travels has just arrived at my house and I have nothing to offer him. And the man answers him from the inside of the house. Do not bother me. The door is bolted now and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up to give it to you. I tell you, if the man does not get up and give it to him for friendship's sake, persistence will be enough to make him get up and give his friend all he wants. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For the one who asks always receives, the one who searches always finds, the one who knocks will always have the door opened to him. What father among you would hand his son a stone when he asked for bread, or hand him a snake instead of a fish, or hand him a scorpion if he asked for an egg? If you then who are evil know how to give your children what is good, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: There's something about the Gospel that has really hit me between the eyes, and I just, I can't go past it. I mean, obviously, it's, it's such a beautiful passage, um, but challenging nonetheless, you know? Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. It's challenging, I suppose, because we've probably all had the experience of asking and not receiving, seeking and not finding and knocking and still finding that the door remains closed to us, or at least that the situation remains opaque. It seems as though of all the things that Jesus says, this is the most demonstrably false. I mean, right off the top of my head, I can list 15 things that I prayed for and didn't get. And, I mean, look, it's not all bonehead stuff either. It's not just, you know, oh, dear God, give me, you know, the winning lottery ticket for Powerball this Thursday. No, contained in there is prayers for others who've been sick and suffering and not having seen their illness healed or their suffering greatly alleviated, financial and business difficulties that actually got worse family divisions that didn't magically resolve themselves and perhaps most baffling of all um praying for the conversion of loved ones that just doesn't seem to come along it's like oh, well look lord like i'm asking for good things what's going on well this might be because i'm on a bit of a hangover from the book of job which we were reading last week but The Lord Jesus is really giving a powerful invitation to trust God and to know Him as our Father. Now listen up. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Now, does it mean that what you'll receive is the very thing that you asked for? It's a bit vague. Jesus says, search and you'll find Will you find what it is you were looking for? Perhaps you'll find something else. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. But was it the door that you knocked on? I wonder. There seems to be a bit of vagueness about what it is that Jesus is really saying. Because the fact is, you know, there are lots of things that I asked for and didn't receive and doors that I knocked on that didn't open and things that I looked for and didn't find. But here comes the next bit. What father among you would hand his son a stone when he asked for bread? Or hand him a snake instead of a fish? Or hand him a scorpion if he asked for an egg Here I think we get a little bit of an interpretive key. What is it that the Father is going to give us? Bread, fish, eggs. What is it especially that you do not receive from the hands of the Father? A stone, a snake, a scorpion. So what's at the heart of the question? who is God. God is Father. And what we know, at least about the best examples of earthly fathers, is that this is exactly what they intend to give their children. What is going to sustain them? What's going to cause them to grow? What's going to give them life? Bread, fish, eggs? That's what's going to work for you. Some protein and some carbs, you know, that's what's going to keep you alive. That's what's going to fuel you to be you. So let me rephrase the question just slightly, right? What father among you would hand his son a stone if he asked for a stone? Or hand him a snake if he asked for a snake? You wouldn't, would you? Maybe this gets a little bit closer to what Jesus is intending in these words. Ask and it will be given to you. Well, what will be given to you? Bread, fish, eggs. Maybe it's not exactly what you asked for, but maybe it's what you need. And maybe this is what God gives in his loving providence. Now, the reason why this makes me think of Job is because Job had to confront a very stark reality in the midst of his own suffering, that there was a lot about his own life that he simply couldn't comprehend. He was confronted with the grandeur of God and the grandeur of his creation, the intricacy and beauty of every single aspect of all that is in the mind of God. And Job was drawn into humility for him to recognize, look, God, I, I don't see what you're accomplishing at every moment. How could I possibly? Because I'm not you. And so in this encounter with God, Job is brought into true right relationship with God. Knowing that he is the one who has created him, sustains his life, and according to his own providential plan, governs his life. In other words, that God is the one who gives him bread, who gives him fish, who gives him an egg. Now here's the problem. Sometimes in life... What we receive is painful. That what God lays upon our shoulders is a cross. And I think it's particularly in those moments that we look to God and go, well, what the heck? This feels like a stone, a snake, a scorpion. This feels like something which is in direct conflict with who you claim to be as the one who loves me and who cares for me. But where does the problem ultimately lie? Is it in God or is it in me that I'm too small to perceive what God is accomplishing? And because I measure him according to the narrow vision that I've got, that I draw the conclusion that what's happening is wrong. Well, it's here then that I think Jesus' analogy is very instructing. He speaks about a father with his children. A father firstly who is providential, a father who cares for his children, a father who knows and is able to see further than his children can. But we too are compared to those children, the ones who stand needy before the father absolutely, but also who perhaps don't understand the goodness of the things that the father is giving them. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't really like fish. I really wasn't grateful when it was dished up to me. And yet, is it good for me? Yeah, of course. And did the father know that this is what would be good for me, despite my taste? Yeah, he did. So it seems to me we can get this round the wrong way. That we can look at what we have received from the hands of the father And then judge him by what he's given us. Because we have made an estimation of the gifts that he's given us and we've decided that it's not what we want. It's not according to our taste. And because it's not according to our taste, therefore God is lacking. But I think it's actually the other way around. That we turn to God. That we know that he is Father. And therefore we know what he entrusts to us is good, is bread, is fish, is an egg. The thing that fundamentally shifts Job is the encounter that he has with God. And he comes to know God personally, to know him as the one who holds and sustains him. And that becomes the source of his trust. So I think that becomes something important then for us, and a good lesson, that if we struggle to trust God, or if we're angry at Him or dissatisfied, maybe take our eyes off what He's given us and place our eyes on Him. If I know Him as Father, then maybe I'll look to what He gives me as bread. As fish, as an egg. And then I can say, Thank you. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will come, be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread
1: I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.